Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Running Light Podcast, the Better Pleasure Podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we're going to hunker down, man, and do part three of our premarital uh, class. Yeah. It's been good. It has been. Yeah, it's been awesome. I've retitled it before you get married. Listen to this. <laughs> so it's great. A lot of people have a lot of questions about marriage. And um, and we thought, man, let's do a, we do premarital all the time. So let's actually do a premarital kind of study. Yeah. You know, which is good. And we talk about all kinds of things. So we usually talk about pornography and sexual immorality all the time on this podcast. Um, we certainly are kind of in that general ballpark and we will get there in, in, in going through this lesson. But we want to be a little more uh, precise in our talking about what it, what it, what's it all about to get married? What does that mean in Christianity? Hmm. Um, so we've talked about quite a bit. You guys got to recap if you haven't yet and get part one, listen to part two. And we're going to start in on part three in chapter 19. That's our main section, Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to talk a little more about, have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female, which is a quote from Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to talk a little more about gender roles, but a little more specifically. Mm. Last week we talked more about that both genders have a specific role to play. Mm. And we talked a little bit about the philosophical undercurrent of that, Mm. why it's so important. Um... And it all has to do with God. There's not one that's better than the other. We kind of found out that both of them are wanting to exemplify God in their actions. Mm. So let's get more into the specifics. Where do you want to take us today, Peter? Uh, so let's, uh, I feel like we should begin in Ephesians 5 and then we'll move on. We touched on 1 Peter 3 last week, um, mainly just verse 7, which talks about husbands. Um, but we can go back to First Peter 3, verse 1 through 6 for wives as well. Um, I tend to like First Peter a little bit better, <laughs> probably because it's Peter now. Uh, <laughs> You're uh, biased. Yeah, I'm a little bit biased you know, against Paul now. Uh, but the main reason is because Paul is not saying this, but unfortunately I've heard it said this way quite a bit of, the reason why there's gender roles within marriage is because if one member is not fulfilling the role, then the second member is not obligated. So for instance, the way I've heard it spoken before in Christian circles is like, well, if you want your wife to submit to you, you must lead her and love her properly. And, and Peter, then she'll do it. And then she'll do it. And because why it's is, such a drag. Because it's such a drag to do it otherwise, you know? And, <laughs> you know, wise, if you want your husbands to love and cherish you properly, you must submit to them and respect them properly. We kind of we kind of always, everything seems to be such a drag in how we put <laughs> things in Christianity, huh? I know, that it's a bummer, but you do it, you know, because God says so. Because it's good for you, Because it's good for you. It's like eating broccoli. You know, it sucks, but you, you do it. Your gut's you know? going to hate this, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to have some nasty flatulence. <laughs> but don't worry but about it. But you do it anyway, man. You do you it just, anyway. Way. You stay Eat the course. Broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the cool thing, the reason why I like 1 Peter 3 better is because 1 Peter 3 doesn't leave that option. 1 Peter 3 is very specific that you are to do these roles no matter what. If, you're a, if you have a wife that doesn't submit to you or respect you at all, you are still called to fulfill your duties as a husband. You are still called to love. You are still called to honor. And you are still called to lead no matter what. And for wives, if you have a husband that's a deadbeat, you're still called to respect and you're still called to submit. And there are ways to do that. But um, we'll focus on that more when we get to 1 Peter 3. Let's just uh, read Ephesians 5. Oh, so we're going to start in Ephesians 5. Yeah, and then, and then we'll move over to 1 Peter 3 to kind of get uh, a little bit more context on it. But let me begin. Uh, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Last week we talked about 1 Corinthians 11 and how Paul made the um, analogy 
that the way that a wife submits to her husband is just like the way that the son submits to the father. In Ephesians 5, he's using a different analogy. And he's saying the way that Christ loves, cherishes, and betters his bride is the same way that a husband does that to his wife. Mm -hmm. And the way that a wife submits, cherishes, and respects her husband is to reflect the love, uh, the way that the church should respect, love, and submit to Christ. And that's the analogy he's using. So let's start with women because Paul decided to start with women. Um, the way that wives are primarily, right, it's not like you could cut these things up and say, oh, well, just because it says husbands love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, wives are exempt from that. Right. Wives exempt do not have love. To, wives are exempt from love because Paul doesn't mention it for them. That's right. You know, uh, that's clearly not what Paul's getting at. What he's saying is that there is a specific and primary way that wives submit to their that wives glorify Christ. And this is how they do it. Yeah. Um, and this is a great pattern for those that have never heard this before. In that the pattern is, is that everything we do in Christianity reflects something of God. Hmm. And so this is just another example of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this idea of submission, this is the this is the one that really gets uh, a lot of women in our culture today. I, I will say it's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, I'm not going to get into it today, but I will say that in previous cultures, uh, a wife's submission was not, it, it didn't need to be in any holy book. It was expected. Right, because the men dominated the women. This is pretty much that I'm aware of, especially coming out of the Middle East or the Greek area. This would be the first text that I'm aware of that actually gives responsibilities for the husband as well. So I'll just I'll start with that. But primarily what I want to focus on is this idea of submission. Like what does it mean to submit? Uh, what is the Bible talking about when it calls us to submit to Christ? Um, what are we called to do? Um, and there are two ways that you can kind of look at the idea of submission. Submission could either be, um, for lack of a better word, kind of rolling over and showing your belly. You know, the idea that you're in terror of someone over you. And so even if they do something that you do not agree with, even if they're um, horrible people, you submit anyway because that's your duty. That's your role. That's what you're supposed to do. It's a type of submission that I'm very well familiar with because I was in the military. In the military, the kind of submission that they want from you is they want you to submit out of fear. They want you to be like, I'm doing these things because I don't want to get hurt, right? I don't want consequences to happen to me, so I'm submitting no matter what. Unfortunately, because that's what a lot of Christians hear when they hear the word submit, a lot of women just don't do this because they're like, that's, that's archaic, that's wrong. And the women who do this because they have that false idea of submission, they end up submitting in negative ways, which causes harm to them and to their families. Mm. Um, do you want to speak on that a little bit, Bo? No, you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let me give you an example. <laughs> what do you Since want me Bo's to say, not, man? That's I don't know. great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, all I know is, is like over the years of going to marital conferences, it's always like such a, this is such a burden. It's just such a drag. It's like, it's always just like, here we go. We're going to open up to Ephesians chapter five, verse <laughs> 22. And, and bear with me now, you know, wives submit to your husbands. And it's like, you know, you could just tell it's kind of like, oh man, hmm. you know? So it's, it, it is, there needs to be a, a revamping hmm. of the way we look at this, obviously. Hmm. Because even in evangelical circles, this is just something that seems so avoided, mm. and um, which is unfortunate, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it would be like it would be like Jesus saying to you, saying to us, you know, wash another's feet, you know, submit to one another, and we go, man, what a drag. Yeah. You know, God, it's a drag being like Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's just such, such a, bummer. a bummer, man. Yeah, yeah and, and it's funny, but when, right when we talk about a woman submitting to her husband, we somehow put it outside of the context of simply a a role to play, to an evangelical role to play to show the world, hey, this is what Christ is like. Hmm. You know, if you're a woman, this is what Christ is like. If you're a man, this is 
what Christ is like. It's like we're all trying to show whether whatever gender you call yourself, we're all trying to show just uh, an aspect of what Christ is like. Hmm. And and in marriage, we just get to hone in on specific roles primarily as you said. Yeah, that's right, primarily. Not that we're exempt from either one. That's and right. I, I think what Bo's trying to convey when he's talking about that is the verse prior says submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's not that me as a husband am exempt from submission. Which um, is big for a lot of men. Yeah. <laughs> they go, What? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm the man, you know, I'm I'm supposed to I'm supposed to lead. And um I think the best way to do this is to go into what true and genuine submission is. And I think that verse that precedes verse twenty two is key in understanding it. Submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. So what submission is, according to the Bible, uh, and I don't have time to go through this, but there's many Psalms that talk about this, is fear, I mean, uh, submission is the physical response to the emotional act of fearing something, right? So you fear God, and then you submit to him. And if you think about it, it works that way in every area of your life, right? If you have a fear of something, you naturally submit to it, naturally. If I have a fear of cockroaches, I'm going to give cockroaches a wide berth. I'm not going to mess with them. I'm going to fear them. I'm going to stay away from them. That's how it works. But once again, we got to, we got to redefine it because the way I just said that probably again goes into people's heads and they're like, but isn't that what you just said that submission isn't? Submission is not supposed to be a fearful expectation of pain, but it's supposed to be something different. And that's because we have a bad idea of fear in our culture. And let me, let me show you how the Jews viewed fear. Just one verse to show us that we as Americans maybe have missed the boat a little bit when it comes to this topic of fear. Psalm 130, verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. Now, right off the bat, just reading that, that should be weird to most people listening. Right. They're like, wait, what? I we're fear forgiven God. and we're fearing. Yeah, I'm, I fear God because he forgives me. I don't think I've ever really heard anyone use language like that in my day-to-day life. Of like, oh, I'm so afraid of my boss. So it must mean fear must mean something other than just that, like, oh, yeah. I'm going to get it. <laughs> terror, right? Right. Terror. It's not the same thing as terror. Uh, the best way I've heard someone explain it um, is a pastor put it this way. He's like, what if you had an opportunity to see your hero, right? The person that you look up to the most, whether it's an actor or whether it's a politician or whether it's a writer or a musician or whatever, and you got to meet this person face to face. He says, wouldn't you be a little bit fearful of meeting them? And he's like, now, when I say fearful, do you think that I mean that I'm worried that when I get there, the person's going to like make fun of me or hit me in the face or cause me pain in some way? He's like, no, of course not. What you mean is that you have so much adoration you have so much respect for this person that you don't want to do anything to offend them, right? Yeah. You're going to be on your toes because you're not going to want to like, you know, you're not <laughs> going to want to see your hero and like fart in front of them or something, or, you know, like <laughs> totally right. chop Irritable like, bowel syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, like clog their toilet or, you know, like That's vomit right. on them or something. You don't want to do something really fast. If, if you no. got like a, if you have a hero like Bo, I know that you have a lot of heroes that are musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, if you saw like uh, one of your heroes, you wouldn't want to like pick up guitar and like totally bomb. Bomb, no. <laughs> like, break man, strings. Yeah, break strings or like break one of their favorite things and be like, oh my gosh. Like you wouldn't want to, you'd be fearful of that. Yeah. You'd be on your best behavior yeah. because of adoration. That's the idea of fear. That's the idea of submission. And the reason why that passage is so important that Ephesians 5 21 passage is so important mm-hmm. is because the precedent for wives submitting to their husbands is predicated on the fear of the Lord. It's not predicated on the fear of your spouse. So the whole point of submitting to your husband or is ultimately a, what you're saying is there's something that happens before that. And that's that fear of the Lord. That's right. What's the Psalm you were in? Psalm 130 verse four. So as a wife, what you should be thinking is it's not like I must truly, genuinely like think my husband is the best person ever and that's why I submit to him. The idea is that I submit to my husband because I fear the Lord, because I have such an adoration, a respect, a genuine love, bless you, a genuine love for God that I want to, uh, I want to, <laughs> 
I want I'm okay. to. <laughs> if it was all right, yeah. <laughs> if he was really choking, I'd help him out. <laughs> we, I would stop talking. Was <laughs> a you know, I have such a genuine respect, fear, and adoration for God. I have such a deep, passionate love for Him that I'm going to respect Him in this way. That He's asked me to submit to my husband to reflect that. So, meaning, if people want to know in a wife's life, how do you fear the Lord? How do you fear the Lord? They should be able to look at the way that you fear your husband and they should be able to equate the two. Yeah. And the beauty here is that for a wife, like I said, it's not predicated on you having a perfect husband because you're not going to have one. It's predicated on you having a perfect God. Yeah. That's, and I, that's and, the point. And what's cool is that the man also, their role to play in marriage is predicated too on the same fear of God. That's right. That... The idea of respect. Now, when I think of fear, I think of electricity. Mm. I always, I always use that analogy. It's so good for me. Yeah. Because um, when I think of fearing God, I think of man, electricity. I mean, how do I view that? Well, you know, you know, you don't just want to mess around with electricity. You don't just want to treat it as a trivial thing, mm. because if it's if you treat it trivially. Uh, you're going to get shocked and yeah. it's not going to be fun. Um, all of us have been shocked and we never no, no I don't know anybody that really enjoys that feeling. <laughs> um, so there's kind of, we tread lightly, you know, we tread our, should I say reverently around it, mm. you know, where we go, Hey, you know, it's, it's beautiful though. Cause it gives light mm. and it gives sound and it, and it, and it makes things possible that could otherwise not be possible. Mm. So it becomes something very joyful and, and, you know, just awesome, yeah. you know? So it's like we look at electricity and we go, man, that thing's amazing. It's awesome. It's great. But I want to be reverent yeah. around it. Yeah. You and know? the way you just put that is so very important because here's, here's the thing that all the wives listening need to think about of why wouldn't you want to submit to your husband, right? Why wouldn't you want to? Why, uh, you know, single women are married woman or whatever, why wouldn't you want to submit to somebody? Because he's a nut. And, it, you know, you could say because he's a nut. But, I mean, if you really get down to the real emotional basis for why you don't want to, it's because of fear of self-interest. Mm -hmm. That's why. It's because I think if I submit to my husband, he's going to lead me bad ways. He's going to make decisions that's going to hurt me and the and family. And he maybe has. And he maybe has. He maybe has already made decisions that have hurt me, that have hurt the family, that have done wrong things. And so I do not want to submit to him because I'm afraid, I'm afraid of what submitting to him will lead to. Yeah. Right. That's the issue. I don't want to give up my independence and my ability to make my own choices because I'm afraid of what will happen if I do that. And that's why if you're going to get married out there, <laughs> you need to think about that, right? That's right. Am I willing to submit to this person? Hmm. If, if the answer is no in your mind before you hit the altar, then probably best not to get married. Probably, yeah, <laughs> probably not going to work out too good. Right. And we'll get into some of the problems in a second. But, uh, but think about those for a second. Why would fearing, why would that reverential fear that Bo's talking about before God help you with that fear towards your spouse? And the answer is really simple, isn't it? If, I fear, if I'm terrified of the way that my husband's going to lead my life, here's the illusion that I'm laboring under. I'm laboring under the illusion that my life is a result of my own good decisions. And if I want my life to go the right way, if I want something done right, I best do it myself. And that's the source of all your stress. That's the source of all your anxiety. It's the source of all of your fearfulness towards the world, including your husband. And here's the thing that I've seen in my time in ministry. Sometimes the fear that a wife has of submitting to her husband is founded, meaning there's reasons of why she doesn't want to submit to him in certain areas. Like she doesn't want to submit to him financially because he's just bad at finances. Um, sometimes they're founded, but the vast majority of the times, the wife finds one reason of why she, can't, she shouldn't submit to her husband and she expounds that to all other areas. Hmm. So she says, my husband's bad at finances, therefore I shouldn't have to submit to him when he's planning vacations or therefore I shouldn't have to submit to him when he talks about raising the kids or therefore it, it doesn't make sense. It goes, yeah. it expounds to all areas of marriage or my husband views pornography. So therefore he sucks. He sucks. And why should I submit to him in anything? <laughs> 
So that's, that's the logic that goes through your head. And here's the thing that I'm saying to you. The reason why you're doing that is because you're actually actively searching for an excuse to not listen to them because you're afraid. You're afraid that you need to run your life. Otherwise, it won't go right. And the reason why fearing God is a, pred- is a necessity before you can start submitting to your husband is because you are laboring under the illusion that God is not in control of your life. That Jesus is not the one who's gotten you to the place that you are today, and he's not the one who's going to make it get you home safely. That's the illusion that you're under. And unless you could deal with that fear, you're not going to be able to go to your husband and say, I trust you. Mm. I trust you, which is what respect really is. I'm, I'm going to get into respect a little bit more, but that's a, that's a big part of respect is if I don't feel like my wife trusts me, I don't feel respected at all. Mm-hmm. If my wife is constantly like, I oh, don't know, Peter, that's a bad idea. You blew it last time, right? If she's saying things like that. I don't feel respected at all because that's not respect. Trust is necessary for respect to happen. And if my wife can really look at me, who is flawed, and say, I trust you, she must trust God more. That's the only way she could let go of control like this, of saying, I trust God more, so therefore... I let go of control and I trust you, right? That's the only way that's going to happen in a proper way, in a proper healthy way for a husband and a wife. Um, now, before I get into the negativity, the negatives of this, of um, you know what I mentioned earlier about the idea of fear and pain and, and how most women view submission and how it can be very unhealthy for this type of submission to happen, um, do you have anything to mention, Bo? No, you go on. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the idea of pain, um, the fear of pain and submitting in that way. So unfortunately, there's a lot of women that grow up in the church who through, and I'm not going to just 100% blame parents on this. Um, a lot of times parents are play a pretty big role in why a girl would grow up this way though. Um, but they grow up thinking that submission means that I just, I bite my tongue and I don't have a say and I just do everything my husband says because I don't, I want to be a good Christian girl and I don't want to rock the boat. Right. It was the idea of what I said, like rolling over and just showing your belly of just like cowardly submitting. And this is the, the real problem with that. That type of submission has nothing to do with the fear of the Lord. It has nothing to do with the fear of the awe, respect of God or trusting him to work through your life and to make something good out of it. What that is, is because that's the way you submit to your husband, guess what? I can actually, Ephesians 5.22 works whether you are good with God or bad with God. And this is what I mean. If that's the way you submit to your husband, I can infer from that, that's the way you see God too. That God is some big jerk in the sky who's an abuser, who wants to do things to you that is not going to be good for you, who's not a giver of joy and pleasure, who's not a giver of safety and security, but he's someone who's, actively trying to mess up your life. And so because of that, you're like submitting to him because you're just like, well, I don't want to go to hell. You know, that, that's honestly why you're doing it. You are afraid of God. You have a fear of him. Not a good one. Not this on respect one that Bo and I are talking about. You have a negative fear of God. It's the kind of fear that 1 John talks about. 1 John 4 verse 7, I mean, uh, 4 verse 12 says, um, there's no love and fear. Yeah, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. I mean, there's a level of torment in the way that you view God, and there's a level of torment in the way you view your husband. Um, and that's, that's a negative thing because, A, we talked about this last week, you have something to add to your husband. You have something to add to your husband. I would be okay leading my life without my wife, but I'm far better leading my, wife, my life with my spouse. Right? She has something to add to the way I lead. Um, if I have a kid, if I have a son or a daughter, I would be an okay father without her. Right? I have God, I have the Holy Spirit, it would be okay. But I would be a far better father with her. She has something to add to me. Yeah, I think most people, maybe even listening to this, they might think, well, submission, <clears throat> Like, does that really mean that, that no matter what my husband says, I'm to submit to it and you know practically speaking many people in Christendom feel that that's what this is referring to Hmm. 
is whatever's whatever the husband says. So the husband says, go get me a beer. And I say, okay, we're going to move to K- Kentucky. Sure. Um, you know, um, I don't like the way you dress. Okay, I'll change it. Yeah. Um, you know, this is how we're supposed to have sex. Okay, that's what I'll do. Mm. Um, you know, and they and they think that's submission. Right. Which is untrue. It's very untrue. Let me and and once again for your wives, your ultimate example is Jesus and how to submit. And when Jesus was on the earth, he submitted. He submitted. He submitted to the laws and the rules around him. He always did. However, there were instances in which he didn't. And another way to think about this is actually we're given a similar commandment. In Romans 13, we're told to submit to the laws and ordinances of the land. But did the apostles always submit to the laws and ordinances of the land? No. No, they didn't. And here's the thing. That fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding this type of submission. Because here's the thing. If you ultimately are submitting to your husband because you fear the Lord, that means that if your husband tells you to do something that goes against God, you're going to say no. Right? So if your husband is harming you, your image of God, right? You're made in the image and likeness of God. That's what it says in Genesis 1 verse 27. So if your husband is harming you, that does not honor God to let him continue to do that. If your husband is harming your children, it does not honor God to submit to that. If your husband is abusing you in some way, sexually, mentally, emotionally, it does not honor God to say, yeah, but it's okay. You know, that's, that's okay. I'm called to submit. That's not submission. That's not what Jesus did. There were instances in which the, the religious leaders told Jesus to submit and he didn't do it. There were times where the apostles were told, don't preach in the name of Jesus. And they're like, whether it's right to do in your eyes what's right or right in the eyes of the Lord, you be the judge. Right. And this is why it's so important. If someone's going to get married, women, I can say that, right? Gender. Yeah. Okay. Women. <laughs> I just didn't know if there was a different word now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to use a different yeah. word nowadays. But anyway, women need to look at that man in an honest way. Mm. And we tell him this all the time. Or would you be willing to move? If this guy felt led of God to go somewhere, if he felt led of God, I mean, you know, you're marrying a man who is a person who is thinking about God, talking about God, you know, reading the word, are you willing to follow this man and the direction that he uh, has from God? Hmm. And I think there's many women out there that would go, I don't know Hmm. if I really want to do that. And it's not, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be married. It just means maybe not yet. (laughs) That's all it means. Yeah, there's some fears and stuff that need to be kind of dealt with in yeah. your heart. And um, again, that, that leads to the question of, you know, as a wife, you know, as is, is my wife in her fear and submission to God, is she called to hold me accountable to the laws of God? And the answer is yes. If she sees violations of the commandments of God in my life, whether they affect her or not, it is not submission for her to just be like, yeah, that's cool. And here's the ultimate example. Um, 1 Peter 3, we're, we're going to read in a second, but in 1 Peter 3, Peter lauds Sarah for submitting to Abraham. And Abraham made a lot of mistakes. And sometimes she submitted to Abraham and God applauds her. But sometimes she submits to Abraham and God gets mad at her. Right? Um, the best example is when the first, Abraham did this two times in his life. He led his wife down to Egypt to escape a famine and he lied to the people around them and he said, this is my sister, don't worry about it. And both times she was almost taken forcibly against her will and molested by kings in Egypt. Both times. The first time, God applauds her for submitting. The second time, God gets angry with her. And here's why. The first time, she could have pleaded ignorance. She could have been like, well, I was submitting to my husband. I trusted that he knew best. The second time, she can't plead ignorance anymore, right? She saw what happened the first time. And there's no way things would be different now. There was no reason for her to be like, oh, I think things are going to be different now. No, same country, 
Same situation, same deadbeat husband, right? There is no reason why she should have been like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do it. So submission in the Bible, when you're called to submit to your husband, you have to understand you are always called to submit to God first. Always. That is always your first and primary calling as a wife. And that means if you see and recognize things that are off, sinful things in your husband, you are actually commanded to bring those up. But, but there's a way to do that. In the Bible, right, think about just with your boss. A good employee, right, if, if you have a good boss, a good boss welcomes criticism. Bad bosses don't. But let's pretend for a second that you have a good boss. If your good boss wants you to criticize them if they're doing something wrong, you should do that. But there's a way that you do it. You don't just go to them and be like, dude, you're messing up. You suck. And just like slam them on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. And be like, this, this business is going to pot. I'm done. You know, that's not how you do it, right? You go to that person one-on-one -on -one, privately and you say, hey, Mr. Whatever, I know that this is what you're doing, but I think it would be more productive to do it this way. You show respect, reverence, and faithfulness, and you speak your mind. That's what it means to submissively speak out. And with your husband, it works the same way. It's okay to correct your husband, but nagging is not the way to do it. Or publicly humiliating your husband is not the way to do it. Yelling at him is not the way to do it. There's a way to come to him one-on-one -on -one and say, Honey, look, I respect you. You're the head of the house. I love you. But this is what you're doing, and this is what God says. This is, this is the results of what you're doing. And I don't agree. And you follow the biblical formula. If your husband says, well, I don't care what you think, then you go next step up, Matthew 18, right? You go to him one-on-one. -on -one. If he doesn't listen, you bring it to a counselor. And that's important. I, I think it's important to realize that the idea of submission doesn't mean a forfeit of accountability. Hmm. So a, a, a primary call to submit does not mean a forfeit to accountability hmm. so it's an important point in principle is we all in on a team we all submit to our coach hmm. you know but it certainly doesn't mean that coach isn't accountable hmm. you know and if something's not going right it doesn't mean i don't go in and talk to the coach yeah you know there always is an accountability uh, 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 you don't forfeit the christian principles of day-to-day -day life meaning of confronting someone about their sinful behavior like you're talking about mm. and dealing with those things yeah. so that is an important understanding for women so it, you have all the right as a christian person the the loving thing to do the loving submission thing to do is to co go to your husband and say hey you know um you know, that is prideful behavior when you're doing that. Mm. Like, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, can we talk about that? Yeah. Um, those type of things. And if that person doesn't want to deal with it and doesn't want to talk about it, then you have all the right. That's why you should, everybody should be part of a body of Christ mm. where you go to one of the overseers in that church and say, hey, can you sit down with me and, and listen to a conversation me and my husband <laughs> are going to have? Yeah. And and you just establish these words that are going to be said and yeah. help me out with, you know, what you're seeing, you know, yeah. from your perspective. And this is a this is a really important point. If you're in a marriage with someone who's not submitting, um, you know, my heart goes out for you. There's ways to deal with that. But if you're thinking about getting married to somebody who does not submit, I would say definitely pump the brakes. If you're dating someone who's like, we don't need to be a part of a body of Christ. That's lame. I just serve the Lord by myself, you know, under a tree in my park, and that's how I do it. Hey, that's great. But one of the key reasons why the Bible tells us to join a body of Christ is so that we learn to submit. That's right. And even, yeah. even secular atheists that are married submit. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to get away from submitting mm. if you throw off the deity <laughs> you know it's all god that's doing this submission thing it's yeah. just you christians that are into this submission thing it's so wrong mm. because in any relationship at all it doesn't matter 
what kind of relationship it is, there always is a surrendering of a will um, and a compromise, um, a mo allowing someone to move in a direction that maybe you you don't think is maybe the greatest or something you want to do, but but you are willing to do it. Hmm. And no one would, no one looks at those things and go, oh, you're living an archaic life because <laughs> you're submitting to your boss or you're, you know, you're, again, you're submitting to your, your coach or yeah. no one thinks that way. <laughs> Unless they're really weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> Total right. anarchy. Like weirdo. Yeah, because yeah. if, you, if you don't have any, any, if, if you took submission out of the equation at all, just throw it out, just say, oh, let's, let's just throw this out. Then as a character quality that we experience as human beings mm. then then someone would come to you and say hey i feel like we should go go to kentucky and you just go hey, well i don't care you know i, I don't want to go um okay well i i i just think it's a great move we get to i get to earn some more money it's going to be a beautiful place to live no i just don't want to go <laughs> okay that's the end of it i mean that's that's where it's at <laughs> yeah you know and and then she goes, well, I, I want to stay here. And in, in the same conversation, she might say, well, I want to stay here. And you go, well, no, I don't want to submit to you. <laughs> so I, I want to go to Kentucky. <laughs> so if no one ever submits. <laughs> You're nowhere. You can't have a conversation. Yeah. You know, so so the Bible is just saying that that there is a an exemplatory if that's a word right yeah. a, you know way that submission is seen in a christian marriage mm. it just a uh there is uh this wife plays this role that is to really shine this quality mm. um in her character and the way she does it yeah yeah and um you know, for those who are listening right now who have been like who might be thinking something to the effect of well you know what i've i've done that you know, I've told my husband and he just doesn't listen. And I've told him a million times. He still doesn't listen. I don't know what to do. The The first question I have for you is how did you tell him? You know, did you tell him in a lot of passive aggressive ways where you're just like, you know, you know, do this. And then when he doesn't do it, you're just like, oh, you know, I wish someone would do this. You know, and you're, you're being very passive aggressive about it and you're nagging. Or did you go up to him personally and say, husband, this is what you need to do. This is why you need to do it, right? And if he, you know, agrees, then great. If he disagrees, then saying, I'm going to submit myself to the authority in the church that we're a part of. I'm going to talk to them and they're going to mediate between the two of us. Or just like, you just give it up. Just like, well, you didn't listen, so that's it. Um, well, that's, that's definitely not biblical. You know, it feeds your ego a little bit because you're like, well, I told him he didn't listen. But it definitely does not reflect reality of how you're supposed to do things biblically to honor God. It doesn't reflect any amount of trust towards your husband, and it doesn't reflect any amount of trust towards God and the institutions that he set up for us. And this is another point when it comes to submission that probably many people haven't thought of too, is that when a woman submits to the husband, and she's to be the exemplary of submission to the husband, it forces the husband to do something. Hmm. And I, I see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and um, verse 35, it says, if the woman or the wife wants to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. Mm. So it forces the man to have to walk a spiritual walk. Mm. And to know as a man that I am to lead my wife and to hear from God, and not that she doesn't, but that I am to lead. I am to be this primary leader of the home. Man, it certainly makes me go, am I having my prayer time? Mm. Am I praying for my wife? You know, when my wife's coming to me, do I know the word of God? Mm. Am, I, am I studying it? Do I know how to answer these things? Mm. You know, those type of things. You know, what? It, it makes, it puts me in a place where I need to lead. Now, this is so much different than the Garden of Eden, right? Mm. Uh, where Adam was supposed to lead and his wife, but... Instead, when the whole uh, eating of the the, the tree of the knowledge of good versus e good and evil, mm. we don't see Adam doing much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
there's an absence of Adam. Let me just put it that way, yeah. right? In yeah. in the in the narrative. Hmm. So Eve eats, and we don't know where Adam is. Hmm. And certainly, you can look at Eve and say, well, you know, she didn't submit to the husband, but you know what? Where was the man too? Yeah. You know, and um, you know, he should have been there, and, and so it forces a man to have to step up to the plate hmm. and be that coach, hmm. you know, be that mentor, um, be that example, hmm. you know. And so a lot of men feel very inadequate. You know, they don't want to worship. They don't want to study. They don't want to put in the time. You know, you know, they'd rather watch football, hmm. you know, or, or me, like watch hockey, you know, um, than do those things. And God is constantly calling us to put those things aside and teach hmm. and to so so if you know think of it that way too like you know for a woman you never want to forfeit your call because if you forfeit your call you give your husband an out hmm. you know you give him an out you know where he doesn't have to now do what he's called to do because what he's going to, he's, what he's going to, you know, go, oh, well, she never asked me a question. Mm. You know, she never comes to me. She never, oh, I, and, and believe me, that's not a good excuse for him. Yeah. I mean, that's a horrible excuse. There's no justification for that. But that's how it happens in marriage mm. where a guy just through osmosis, almost like a, <laughs> like this weird learning process where he just goes, oh, well, she doesn't ask me. I just, I'm just going to go, you know, do my thing. Yeah. You know, play my guitar and, you know, not, not get in the word and not seek it out, you mm. know? Um, and then, and then the man obviously doesn't do what he's called to do. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and that's such good point, you know, cause you know, uh, with great, <laughs> you know, as Jesus says to him, much is given, much is required. You know, the husbands are required of more. We'll get into them next week, but the idea there is that as a, if if you want to help your husband fulfill his calling, you must fulfill yours. That's the only way it's going to happen. And it is crazy how our sins feed off of one another yeah. very well. We are we are yeah. dependent. What's the word? We're interdependent. Yeah, yeah. We're 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 connected. We're one flesh. And it's we a are. cyclical cycle, right? Yeah. If any of us drop our ball, it impacts. It, it impacts. You know, and how it, and how it goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll read through the First Peter 3 passage really quickly just yeah. to point out a couple things, and then I, I think that we're running out of time for today. But First uh, Peter 3, verse 1, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, there's that word again, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this matter, the former, in, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God, again, very key, they trusted in God, also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid, this is key, are not afraid with any terror. Right? So this fear, again, is not referring to a terror fear. But I call attention to the, the first verse where he says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, what's this likewise referring to? In order to see that, you've got to just go up a couple verses into chapter 2. And what Peter is calling attention to is the sufferings of Jesus. And that's what he's saying. He's saying that Jesus submitted to the will of the Father even unto death. That's what he's saying. Even unto death for our sins. That's what he did. And what he's saying is wives likewise. Meaning what? In the same way that Jesus submitted to the will of the Father even unto death. You submit to God and you submit to your husband. You submit to God by submitting to your husband. You know what's really cool and, and just so radical about Christianity is that Man, when you understand this, it makes you go, man, I'm just not going to get married just to get married. You yeah. know, there's nothing trifle about marriage. It's mm. like serious, man. It's hardcore. Very serious. Yeah. You know, it's just so hardcore where it's like, 
really, I mean, I mean, do, am I really called hmm. to be married? Is this really a calling? Because it, it is a giving of your life. It is a, it is God, I want to glorify you and I want to honor you. I want to show just as you suffered hmm. for me. So I am willing to lay down my life for my husband. Mm. Um, these radical concepts of laying down life and giving up, you know, and that it, you experience a greater joy through all these things too. Mm. Um, you know, it has to really be a spirit-filled, spirit-moved work. Mm. Uh, if you do this on your in your flesh, wow. It, it, it's just it, you can't and can't do it. This can't is, do it, no. yeah. This has got to be a spiritual work. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very amazing stuff to think about this calling, uh, what we're called to do, what we're we're like to do. And um, now, I, as you go down, as you keep reading it, um, you'll notice this idea of submission. And there are words in here that I want to pull out. Pull There's them out, Peter. <laughs> pull them out. Uh, <laughs> Like some of the words that I want to pull out for you guys would be the idea of when it's chaste conduct accompanied by fear. That's verse two, chaste right. conduct. Now this idea of chaste conduct, when when she, he's talking about the idea of husbands being converted, actually being influenced by their wives, impacted by their wives, he says that chaste conduct accompanied by fear is going to do that. Now this idea of chaste conduct would be the idea of faithfulness. So my wife's internal faithfulness towards me and adornment of me and God and her chaste conduct towards God himself should be impacting me in the way that I view God as well. That she's somehow doing something that's enlightening me to images of God. That's what's going on there. And it's really cool when you understand that. I think it's awesome, especially for, for you know, what our podcasts are about, so much about sexual things and <laughs> everything like that. But I think of my wife and I think of, man, chase conduct accompanied mm. by fear, man. That's one of the things I, 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 I admire so much about her yeah. is, you know, just the chastity, you mm. know, that purity, that me, it's not, it doesn't mean she you know, didn't have sex before marriage. I'm not talking about that. What yeah. I'm talking about is the idea of just within the marriage itself, there's a, there's a purity. Mm, there's a dedication. There's a dedication. To you and to you me. alone. That's right. And, you know, I, I see that in my wife. So, and it's so beautiful, you yeah. know, where a lot of times she'll just be like, I just want to hang out with you. That's you right. Know, she has that like faithfulness towards me. And it's so, it's so precious. It's so beautiful. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm going I'm to just say this real quickly. The issue with the human heart, and P Peter's going to get to it, by the way. He's about to say it. The issue with the human heart is that we always look past the good that's right in front of us to despise it. That's what's wrong with us. No matter how good we have it, we look past the good to despise the blessings. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden. All the good that God gave him, he gave him a perfect creation, perfect everything. And we looked past all that good, and all we saw was we can't eat that tree, so therefore we're unhappy. That's all we saw. When I say that my wife fears me, when she adores me, I know that I'm a flawed human being. But what means is that what the flip, what the inverse is, what God does is he looks past the evil to love. That's what he does. And that's what my wife does with me. She looks past the evil that's in me. To the love. To the love. Love covers a multitude of sin. That's right. And that's right. the idea of that fear. And I, when I witness that, it's so beautiful, man. It's so unbelievably precious. And he goes on to say, it's not just precious to me. It's actually precious to God. Right. That when a wife does this, that God looks on and he is like blown away of how beautiful it is when a woman does this. And uh, the reason why I, I said that Peter w was referencing Genesis when he says this is because notice what he says. He all of a sudden breaks into something that seems out of place. He talks about clothing. He's like, don't let be the adornment be merely outward and he talks about arranging the hair wearing gold and stuff like that but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of god now why do i say that references genesis after adam and eve fell the first thing they did is put on clothing it's the first thing they did they were naked without shame that's what it says in genesis chapter 2 what happened when we fell is we lost the approval of god we feel we feel insecure now about who we are as human beings 
And so we felt the need to cover ourselves with multitude of garments mm. to try to cover up our insecurities and our guilt and our shame and our fear and all that stuff. And we use success. We use jobs. We use marriage. We use love. We use drugs. We use pornography. We use all these things to cover up that inward insecurity in our lives. And what Peter is saying is he says, what if there was an approval that was so beautiful, so transcendent, so eternal that it would do away with all that other clothing. And so when we're talking about the submission, and I like what you said in the beginning, Bo, of like, it's a bummer. We got to submit. What Peter's saying is like, it's not a bummer, man. This is the key to genuine pleasure. Man, if you want all the stuff that you're trying to clothe yourself with, all the stuff that you're trying to make yourself feel good with, Peter says, dude, if you stepped aside and you looked at God and realized that he is well pleased with you, you wouldn't feel the need to do that anymore. And what does that free you up as a wife to do? Submit Mm -hmm. without fear, without terror in your heart, to submit with a gentle and quiet spirit. Mm. It's that idea of, again, you don't have to nag. You don't have to be offensive with your husband, Mm -hmm. but you could be gentle and you could be quiet and you could have peace and joy. Why? Because you know that God approves. You know that God is pleased in that behavior. Yeah. We're going to end the podcast there, but we hope we hope that the the men in our audience too get a chance to to listen to this because um, I think it's important for them, especially what's coming up next in our talk, which is going to be talking about men Man. <laughs> and and, yeah. and talking about I and mean, we can talk from personal things too, yeah, um, and and just how you can wreck your family too, and really quick. Um, so um, it's good podcast, good study, good stuff. We'll we'll kick part four. Of, of what you need to know before you get married next time. So thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, thanks. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36, 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.